Welcome to Subject to Power. I'm El Kamihira. We've spent quite a few episodes exploring the dark side of patriarchy. But in this episode, we're pivoting to a more positive angle. I'm talking to sociologist Andrea Fleckinger, who studies modern matriarchal societies. That's right. We don't just have to look to prehistory to find matriarchal cultures. There are, in fact, many, many societies all around the globe that have escaped patriarchal capture and that continue to live by their traditions of egalitarian matriarchy. Andrea has spent many years learning the social structures of contemporary matriarchies, and she breaks down for me exactly what it means to be a matriarchy, the values and practices that sets them apart from patriarchal cultures and what we can learn from them. My journey started 15 years ago, and it was a deep, deep need. You know, I'm a sociologist and I'm a social worker. And 15 years ago, I worked in a women's shelter with women who survived gender-based violence and their children. And so we had the shelter, we had the counseling for women, and every month, every year, all these women arrived and told us stories about violence. We tried in some way to support them and so on. And also on the, on the news, we had a lot of femicide in Italy. Every two or three days, a woman is killed, still today, is killed by her man, ex-husband, ex-partners or whatever. And my question was always, why? So where Am I living? Why does this happening? And I read every explanation and I talked to a lot of experts over the years and there were a lot of good explanations, but nothing that really, really answered my questions. Well, this is kind of human beings are like this. Gender-based violence always uh, had been an issue of human existence. And I can't believe it. Something in me, I rejected believing it that human beings had always been violent. And so I just kept looking and searching, and suddenly I had a book in my hands. I think with the title, Once Upon a Time, We All Had Been Sisters. And I read this book, and the author referred to the research of Heidegger and And there, for me, I was in a completely new world was there. And now I got answers to all my questions. And, and it really, and everything makes sense. Distorted way of organizing our societies. It kind of starts making sense to me. And this was then the moment where I uh, realized, okay, I have to go on this way. And I read all the books of Heidegger Abendbrot. And then I see that she's giving lectures and it's possible to study at her place at the Academy Haya. And so I moved there and then we started also our collaboration. And, and now I'm still, I'm still learning and, and, and deepening and also from my research activity on matriarchal societies, but it's our history. And yeah, and what we have been trained or, or teach, which was is so distorted that when we get to know about matriarchal societies, it is kind of a completely a reset. It's very interesting. So also, I had also the possibility to deepen a bit these aspects of trauma and also transgenerational trauma. So how we, this transfer of trauma through the generations. And I think this is also a very important aspect for us to understand how it is possible that we are still in these, these societies, these patriarchal societies that destroy everything and everybody. And why also we need so much time to heal, because we talk really of, of the transgenerational trauma. I did also with this mindset my work in a women's shelter, and then I got back to university. I did my PhD, and now I'm much more into research. And so it is a, a bit of a different path than uh, I choose, but I'm still very close also in the research I'm doing to gender-based violence. It must have changed your view of that quite a bit. Everything. Everything. Yeah. It changed everything. It helped me a lot also in my work. And particularly as a lot of women uh, who survived gender-based violence, they felt ashamed of what happened. And they feel also like they have failed 
because their the marriage failed. The marriage is just so important. But the societies where we have no systematic violence against women, we have also no nuclear family. There is a connection and we have to talk about. So this, uh, yeah, it influenced a lot the way I worked uh, with women and I tried, uh, yeah, also to, to inform them. One of the things that I find really interesting about Haida's work and matriarchal studies in general is that it's not theoretical. It is based on what exists. Two things that are very, very important. When we talk about matriarchies, we're not talking about an idea or a utopia or some other experiment or something, but we're talking about human beings, about societies, about contemporary societies. So even we have, we're not forced to look in the past. We can, of course. This is also an important aspect. But we are talking about people who are living today. One part of modern matriarchal studies is just to understand these societies. One thing that is very important when we use this term matriarchy, what's always happened are a lot of emotions. It can be very, very different as emotions. It can be rejection, it can be fear, it can be interest, it can be curiosity. But what's very important for me that simply this term matriarchy, something happens when you hear it. This is very significant. It's not that every word that exists in our language automatically is connected with so strong emotions. Just the fact that matriarchy and the strong emotions that happen is an indicator that something is there. So there is something. And then if you have a closer look, matriarchy, we have these two syllabus, matri, which is quite easily to translate as mother, and arche, it gets a bit more complicated because arche has two meanings. And when we talk about societies, we are used to translate arche with domination. This is like patriarchy, we translate it as the domination of fathers, and this is also a correct translation because this is what happens in patriarchal society so it's a good description but arcae has also a, a second meaning which refers to the origin the beginnings this is something we came across when we talk about archaeology archaeology is not the science of domination <laughs> It's, it's not the archaeologists do not research the, the patterns of domination, but they are just looking for the origins, for the beginning. And the same is also true for Young's theory of archetypes. When we translate matriarchy, then it is like in the beginning, the mothers. And this is also how we came across really this core value of matriarchal society, it is really to recognize and to give it importance and put the mothers in the beginning. And mothers, we can understand the term mother in a very, very broad sense, more on this caring aspect. The mother who cares, it's not a singular woman, one singular mother. That's so interesting, especially seeing how the kind of the most common misunderstanding seems to be patriarchy as compared to matriarchy, like they're rivaling hierarchies. Exactly. And that's also why some scholars say that the matriarchy had never existed. And if I translate matriarchy as the domination of mothers, yeah, then it's true. It is had never existed and it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it's not that a matriarchy doesn't exist. It's just a wrong translation and a wrong understanding of what it is. And for us, it is quite difficult also to, to understand that it is possible to organize society in a completely different way because we know just our way and we're so trained in, in this way to, to look at societies and to read the world. Can you begin to explain... <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, on one hand, it is a big, big question, and it's a question where not all aspects are answered yet. My research on matriarchal societies is a work in progress, and I hope that a lot of scholars will join us in doing this research because it's, I think it's so important and useful, and I think it's crucial also for our survival in some way. Uh, Heide Gutner-Abendroth, she developed also a definition 
what matriarchal societies are. She analyzed the matriarchal society on four different levels. So on the social level, what it means, on the economic level, the political level, and also the cultural or spiritual level. And so we have some very clear indicators that helps us to understand whether society is matriarchal or has some matriarchal patterns or it is a, a patriarchal society because none of these four aspects we, we find there. Of course, it's a general definition and describe these core elements that we find in every matriarchal society. This does not mean that every contemporary matriarchal society is 100% organized exactly the same way, okay? There are a lot of possibilities how then in everyday practice people live these core values. But still, we can observe it. And to start maybe with the social level, on a social level in a, in a matriarchal society, there uh, we see that society is organized along the principles of matriliney and usually matriarchality. So this matriliney means that all the kinship system is organized differently, so that only the matrilineal kinship is given importance. It does not mean that that matriarchal societies do not know about the uh, main contribution, <laughs> but it's given no importance and not necessarily, there's not a, a kinship linked to it. So this means in matriarchal societies, all people in the mother line are relatives. So they are part of the same clan. And this is clan, I think, is also a very important word when we talk about matriarchal societies because we cannot talk about families. Because this would not describe the way how matriarchal people live together, but it's more appropriate to use the word clan because they are living together in brother units and they are all connected through the maternal line. So we have the grandmother and all her children, whether they're female or male, they are living together. So the brothers and the sisters. And then as the sisters, when they have children, then also all these children live together in this maternal clan. This is what matrilineal means. And this is also what matrilocality means when they live together in the same house. Also, there we have a lot of variety how these houses are built and, and how they have people living there have also their spaces where they can just have more private spaces. But the idea that we are connected together in the maternal line and in some way we live together, we live very close to each other. This is an important principle in matriarchal society. Right. And especially if you compare to patriarchal society where essentially daughters are given to the husband's family and she lives, that's where she lives out her life. I would say that given is a very nice verb you used <laughs> okay, in this context. Because this deep, deep rupture women experience when she gets married in the paternal line. She's kind of taken from her family. And then you have these women from a different clan or from a different family coming into a new, new family with different rules. And this could only produce conflicts. And with whom? With the woman in this clan. And so you have this never-ending story of conflict between the spouse and the, the mother of the husband. This is what happens in our societies in continuous. And it is based on, on this idea that a person loses, and this way a woman loses her clan. Because in a matriarchal society, when we talk about matrilineal, neither the woman nor the man ever loses his or her clan. They will always be there because also marriage and relationships are organized in a, in a different way. And everybody always, independently of their sex, always belongs to his or her clan. And this is something very, very different and it makes it much more easier. You, you grow them together. And there is no rupture. You're not taken away. Exactly. You don't lose. No. 
So we talked about the social level. Okay, we, we have these two elements of matri learning and matrilocality, which when we observe these two things in a society, we have a strong indicator, okay, maybe the society could be matriarchal. And then we can have a look at the economic level. So what's happening? How is the economic system organized in society? And matriarchal societies are organized according to what we can call a gift economy. An economy organized in a way that everybody is cared for. And it is a, an economy of reciprocity. When we just compare it to our um, economic system, so it is uh, capitalism in his neoliberal form. The value of capitalism is accumulation. So who have more is better. So it's just important that you accumulate as much as things you can, whether it's money or, or other properties or what else. The important is that you have a lot and you keep it private. And then you get recognition. This is the mechanism in our society. In a matriarchal society, also, you can be very lucky and maybe you have a lot of money, you have a lot of property, you have a lot of what else. You will get no recognition for that. You will be recognized in the moment you start sharing. And only when you start sharing and giving, then people will recognize you. And also this sharing and giving in every matriarchal society is organized in some way. There are social rules how you have to give in what moments. And these are very, very different from every matriarchal society. The important mechanism is that a person is recognized, a very respected person, the moment she or he gives. And it is also important to add that the economy is in the hands of women. But if the economy is in the hands of women, this does not mean that the women are rich and they keep it because they only get recognition and they're only respected women when they share. And, and this is this idea also of a mother. A mother will always take care of her children. And from this idea or this core value in nature of society, they develop a whole economic system, okay, on a much larger scale. This principle of a mother who gives for her children, we can also observe in our societies. This is what a mother does. <laughs> and of course, that's completely absent in our current economic rules. Yeah, we, we see it in, in the small, we see it in the small family units, we see it what mothers are doing, yeah. But they are not, this is something like kind of, they have to do it, they get got no special recognition for it. And on a larger scale, it is completely inexistent. Yeah. So just built on the principle that a mother, I'm just repeating it to myself, like that a mother will always take care of her children and by extension, her clan. And so a mother can always be trusted to care for everyone because that is her nature. You know, in our society, it's always very, very difficult to say this is the nature of a mother it could be quite easily understood wrong okay because we have all this ideology around motherhood and and all these neoliberal ideas on motherhood which so therefore i think with this formulation of the nature of a mother we have to be very careful because we with our patriarchal traumas, cannot understand it anymore. But I would say that it is kind of part of the nature, if we would keep this term of every human being to take care. And if we uh, also look at, for example, the Minangkabau, uh, they have a very important principle. And they say nature is our teacher, Mother Earth, that really gives everything they need to live. Mother Earth just gives. You have to respect her, right? And this is then also adapted to human beings, to every human beings. And of course, a mother gives by nature, simple but a fact, because she brings life into the world. This is the first act of giving. And I think it's important that we learn to understand what is meant by a mother will naturally care for her children. Yeah, thank you for that explanation. 
So go on. So that's the economy. Yeah, we have the social. We have the economy, which is a gift economy based on reciprocity. And we have the economy in the hands of the women. And then we can have a look at the political level. So how decisions are made. This is always very important. And in matriarchal societies, we see that there is no hierarchy. We have no hierarchical structure in matriarchal society. Of course, within a society, there are certain persons who have a certain authority regarding a certain topic. Or maybe they have some particular capacity, some particular knowledge. And all of the clan members, they know that she or he is an expert on that. And if we came there as outsiders, maybe we can, as patriarchal trained people, Read it immediately. Okay, there's a hierarchy because when he or she is talking, then everybody's listening and everybody's agreeing. Well, not so fast. And because matriarchal societies, we have no hierarchy and the decision process is based on consensus. Consensus is much more than a democracy. Democracy, we have this principle of the majority. When you have the majority, you are allowed to ignore the rest. This is how our political systems work. Most of them, not, not all, we have also, of course, more hierarchical uh, political systems in our societies, but uh, some of them are calling them democratic and they are kind of praising themselves as having the best political system. But democracy is, we have still hierarchies and we have this idea of the majority that is allowed to ignore the minority. When a society is organized along the principle of consensus, that means that everybody participates actively in the decision-making process and that everybody is listened to and respected and that it is important that we came to a same conclusion regarding a certain decision, that we take it together. And in the classic matriarchal societies, it starts that way that a decision is needed, and every clan starts discussing the question in their clan house. So we have this clan, this living unit, this people who live together, who know them very well, discussing on how should we decide regarding a certain questions. Okay, so they know each other very well, and therefore sometimes it is also quite easy to find a position. If we think on it in our very disrupted uh, societies and now some people come together and they have to make a decision based on consensus, it could be very, very difficult for us because we are not used to this principle. We are not living together since childhood. <laughs> so we have not so much. We could easily start with taking our decisions by consensus. But this is different in a matriarchal society. And when then the clan, uh, they uh, have taken their decision, they select one member. This could be a man or woman who brings this position of his or her clan um, in the council of the village, where from every clan, the representatives come together. And there they share what had been discussed in the clan. And they have to collect all the other positions. Uh, if every clan has the same position, everything is clear. But if from some clans there are different positions, then they have just the task to collect it. They bring it back to their clan and the discussion starts new. And also this is a very important principle. If within a discussion also only one person has a different opinion, then this is not seen as... oh. Always he has a different opinion. Always he is stopping, blocking our decision process or something like that. The idea is, okay, if only one of us has a different position, this means that we all have forgot something. That there is something we have not seen yet. So it is very important to us to listen to him, to listen to her, because it's important that we are not forgetting some aspect. And as matriarchal societies are also not only organized at the, at the small level of village, 
but you can have also larger regions. Sometimes, if it is a bigger decision that has to be taken on a regional level, then when the decision is taken in the clan and then in the village, and they from the village council will select another representative, which usually is a man because maybe it is along with travel for this regional council, and there happens the same process again. So all the representatives of the regional council, they are collecting the decisions in the different villages. And then if there are different positions, they go back to the council of the village. They tell them and then every representative of the council of the village goes back to the clan and then the discussion starts again. And this process for us sounds very complicated, but matriarchal people show us that it works. And it, that works also on a large scale. What strikes me about that is that that is a lot of talking. That's a lot of communicating. And it requires from people to really communicate well, to really think through their thoughts, to be able to formulate themselves. And that's a very sophisticated way of being because we have to balance all these interests and we have to search our minds to find our position. And in a sense, like all that talking through the society trains a person to really know their minds and know their people's minds. Exactly, exactly. So I think we can learn a lot regarding communication if we observe uh, matriarchal societies. For me, also one aspect which is important to add on a political level, that matriarchal societies are organized, yes, also on a larger scale. We have the clan, we have the villages, and then we have this regional level. And every region sustains herself by her own. So we are trained to this big national states. And this is sometimes it is too much for making decisions that influences then the everyday life of people. So uh, you know, Italy is part of the EU. And not always this EU had been the best idea for making then decisions which really influences my daily regional life. Also in matriarchal societies, we have then these different regions who know each other, who are communicating with each other, who are also have some agreements on an ethical basis or how we approach life or the worldview. But it is not uh, regarding the decisions that really influence my daily life. It makes me think about the local politics versus federal politics that and I think the Greeks talked about this, that there really is such a thing as too big of a society. In this case, talking about democracy, can't hold land that's too big because the top is too far from the bottom, so to speak. The federal is too far removed from the local scene. There's also this question of the human scale in some way. And this does not mean that I cannot be connected all over the world. It does not mean that I cannot uh, do exactly what we are now doing. <laughs> of course, I'm very happy that we have all these possibilities on internet and talking together and ready to meet each other. Yeah, but it's not how I organize my daily life. It's different. And I think this is a different also regarding all the difficulties we experience through globalization and so on, that we really need to rethink and where we can also learn from, from matriarchal societies how, yes, we can think global, but we act and live regional and local. And that's also yeah. enough. It's okay. It's enough where we are. Yeah. Thank you. The cultural, the spiritual level, so the last of these four elements we see. Okay, so in the political, we have this principle of consensus that's very important. But in every society, it is also important to have this look at the worldview. Can we call it the cultural level or the spiritual level? So how the society, what stories are told about human existence and in matriarchal societies, we find that there is no division between sacred and profane. This does not exist. But every 
thing, everybody, so all is seen as sacred. And this is something uh, which really changes a lot because this produces much more respect. An interaction between human beings, an interaction between animals, between nature, between everything, an interaction between the whole universe. Therefore, we can describe matriarchal societies also as sacred societies. And usually, when matriarchal societies uh, tell their story of the origins of the world, then we find a, a female divinity, some holy female figure, a goddess we find there, who created everything. This is also a big difference. As in our patriarchal societies, we uh, have in our daily lives, we have women who bring life into the world. We have female principle who brings life into the world. Okay, this is what we observe. And then we listen <laughs> to the stories of the different religions. Then in, in the end, the man created everything. Uh -huh. it, it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> how? <No. laughs> yeah, there are a lot of explanations of this how. It makes simply, it makes no sense. Yeah. So I wanted to go back a little bit to at the beginning, you know, we were talking about the nuclear family is not the principal. And I want to dive a little deeper into, so if the nuclear family is not the principal, like how are marriages or relationships between parents, how are they organized? Yeah, we have a lot of variety along the matriarchal societies and especially if we have a look at contemporary matriarchal societies, we have also to recognize that they are also influenced very strongly by the patriarchal societies that surround them. And then in some moments, they had also been forced to adapt some patriarchal values. We can still describe them, call them matriarchal, but they have also integrated a patrilinear kinship. So they have both kinship systems integrated. This is also what we can observe, which is a direct result of colonialization. If they are not under pressure, then we see this principle of matrilineal. So we can imagine the, um, all the people in the maternal line living together, organizing their daily lives. So we have brothers and sisters who are caring and raising the children together. In a matriarchal society, a child has not just one mother. Every sister understands herself as a mother for the children of her sister. And the same is also true for the male figure, because there are also a lot of brothers who take care for the children, and because they see the children of their sisters as their own children, because they are the children of the clan, and the clan is where they all belong. So we have not this focus on the biological principle, but it is more an understanding of motherhood on a social level. So the social motherhood is very is emphasized in the matriarchal societies. And the same is true for the older generation. Traditionally, a child has also a lot of grandmothers. And if we simply imagine that, that it is not the burden of one single person, of one single mother to be available 24 hours a day and night, but it is something that is shared, then also we cannot across this overload. So many women, so many mothers have to manage in our societies. As it is a matrilinear society, of course, we have no fathers because this is simply not a known uh, kindship. Therefore, we talk about the mother-brother or the grandmother-brother. Right. So uh, your question was, what happens in relationships and how are they organized differently? Yeah. Well, let's imagine a sister of a clan falls in love with a man of another clan. Then they just start their love relationship. And this is also something which is very different from uh, matriarchal society to matriarchal society. There are some uh, matriarchal societies who celebrate this union. This is what we, with our lens, would describe as marriage. 
but it could not be translated exactly as marriage because it follows some different rules, some different values. So it is not the marriage we know from our society. This is a different understanding. But often it is translated as marriage, so in some way just to, <laughs> to make it understandable. So where this marriage happens, this, this is the way how two different clans get connected to each other and they collaborate also in the next years and decades together. So they are kind of connected in a reciprocity. But this does not mean that the couple, so that the man and the woman, they have also to stay together for the rest of their lives. No. Matriarchal societies, people, they live their love freely and they live their relationship as long as the love lasts. And it's a bit difficult maybe for us to understand. Yeah. But <laughs> Only because romantic love is, you know, it's such a big deal in our, all of our cultures. Yes, and we have this confusion about romantic love because we we base our financial dependency on romantic love we base our homes on romantic love we base the raising of our children on romantic love so we are completely overloading <laughs> romantic love <laughs> we're just killing love in some way with all these ideas in matriarchal societies Women and the men, they still and always belong to their clan. So even if they are in love, they are not creating a new economic unit. They are even not living together. And also when the woman gets pregnant, then there is no kinship link between the children of the women and the men. Right. So when they split off and because their love ends, there are no consequences. Nobody loses his or her home. Nobody ends up in poverty. The children have continue to have their caregivers, their stable caregivers. Of course, it could be very sad if love ends. Yes, uh, there are matriarchal people are, are people, a human being with all the emotions. Yes, but these are not these devastating consequences we can observe in our societies when a relationship ends. Almost a year ago, I had the possibility to talk to Mina Elfira. She is a scholar and a Minanka Bao, and she is doing research on her own society. And it's very interesting what, what she's doing. And we talked about also this fact and then the love relationships and motherhood and, and, and divorce and so on. And what she described is that every mother has this strong safety net of her maternal clan. So she will not end up in poverty or she will not end up in loneliness only because her love ends. This was for me, it was very impressive to, to hear it and to hear it not as kind of very strange idea. This knowledge is so important. I'm just glad that the people who are actually living in those cultures are able to communicate the ideas to the rest of the world. I think I think it's sometimes very challenging for them because they are struggling with our distorted ideas in some way. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we can we can learn a lot. I think we have just to learn to listen. And of course, we're talking about we're in post-colonial times where sure, sure that we are in post-colonial times. No, I'm not sure at all. <laughs> <laughs> we have different methods and techniques to hide our colonialism, maybe some way but this idea to impose our lifestyle to others i think it's still continuous it's just about the methods yes 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 i completely agree with that that was was interesting what you said before about so there is no father per se and I can't imagine how this originated. I mean, there was no way, if you didn't have marriage in like our sense of the marriage where you had a contract between two people, you and you only know who slept with whom, if you had kind of fluid, open relationships, you'd never know who the father was. So why would you base anything on who the father is? Because we always know who the mother is, but we don't know who the father is. Yeah, the mother is easily, the mother you always know, but the father you get to know only if the mother communicates it. 
if you don't want to tell you, you will not know. Yeah. This is also why in our patriarchal societies we had this value of monogamy for women. Men, there was never this, this importance for men to live monogamously because they were, had always been given the possibility to go to prostitutes. This was always accepted. Right. When we're talking about monogamy, we're talking about monogamy enforced on women, nothing else. Exactly. In terms of our history, yeah. And of our presence. And our presence. <laughs> I, I, yes. I, would, I would really say that this is very important to add because this is also some of this hidden, distorted narratives we came across, that monogamy is a value in our love relationships. No, it's female monogamy. <laughs> so true. Yeah, we have really to, just to describe it the way it is. And this is also a way how to get aware of what's going on and to see what's wrong or what's out of balance. I would describe our societies as really out of balance. When we talk about the way a matriarchal society's love is lived freely or there's this freedom of sexuality, this does not mean that a matriarchal person has sexual intercourse with as much people as she or he can. This is definitely not what's happening, but it is a choice. And I can choose to live uh, monogamous. I can, and, and there are people who are doing it, of course, but it's not forced. Sexuality or romantic love is kind of its separate thing, it sounds like. It's not your economic, financial basis. It's not the basis for raising your children or so on. Daily life is always happening in your clan, and love is just, you can live it free. Of course, there are also important values of respect. Haida told me when she did research in China and meet and also people, and they talked also about the love relationships and so on, and this aspect of live it freely and is it monogamous or not and so on. And they said also that, of course, they have one love relationship at the time and not all together simply by the fact that it would hurt the feelings of the other person. This is logic. If you are in love with the person, you, you're just in love with this person. You're not in love with 10, 20, or I don't know how many. It just makes sense, like how we're built emotionally and what we have capacity for in terms of like intimacy and emotion. And the other part of that that I thought was really interesting was the importance of brothers and sisters, which we don't really have in our societies. I mean, the role of the mother's brother and the mother's sisters and just siblings overall. Can you talk a little bit about? Yeah, so do this... Uh brother-sister or the relationship among siblings, this very important, stable unit for life, this lifelong stable unit. And there is a lot of awareness about the importance of this unit. And we are not so aware about it anymore, fortunately. But brothers and sisters, they are just they're grown up together, they are living together in the clan, and that is obvious that they are belonging to each other and that they are organizing their lives together. They are organizing their economic lives, their housing together, and they're raising their children together. And this is a very different stability that they can give to all the generations. It's almost hard to wrap your mind around because we just don't live like that. But when you think about it, exactly what you said, you're born, you know, together, essentially, and you know each other's your whole life. I have three sisters, and there's no one in the world that I rely on more or that I have the longer, most knowledgeable relationships with. Yeah, of course. And this is very emphasized in, in matriarchal societies. It's given a lot of importance. There's a lot of awareness. And this is a high value also that the, the siblings are in a good relationship together. We not always have it within our disrupted families. So it is not that everybody of us has a good relationship with sisters and brothers. 
But I think it is an aspect we can keep in mind also for our children when we are raising them to make them understand that this relationship with all the difficulties is still the important relationship they can rely on. In our society, we seem hell-bent on making women and men the same in the sense that, you know, we're as, (laughs) you know what I mean, like I can explain it, but it's just so clear that we live in a man's world, obviously, and the goal for women seem to be more and more like speak men's language, function in men's systems and so on. And so the extraordinary thing about matriarchal societies is that you really emphasize the difference, like the difference between men and women. This is generally a principle that in matriarch societies, we can learn what it means to accept difference and to accept diversity. This is something we cannot only observe regarding genders or sexes. So it's not only true regarding men and women, but this is true also regarding the different generations and the different capabilities a person has. In our society, we have a lot of dialogue. We are so inclusive and we are accepting uh, all the diversities. But on a closer look, we see that it is still trying to respond to this one male or one patriarchal principle of how a good person should be. And I can understand the women who try in some way to learn to speak like a man, to learn to act like a man. This is a good survival strategy in our societies, but it is a survival strategy, not more. It is needed, and I would say that also I adapt certain moments in my life just to, yeah, to survive, <laughs> to find a place. Uh, but in matriarchal societies, we can really learn what it means to accept difference, to integrate difference, and that it is not important to make everybody identical. Identical, uh, right. Everyone doesn't have to be the same in order exactly. to be be worth. Be respected. To be respected. Be yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what we can learn, uh, how egalitarian works, how an egalitarian society works, where all the differences have really a space. Circling back to what you said before about how all of the responsibility for mothering is put onto one woman. And depending on where in the world we live, we are by and large completely unsupported. I was a single mom for many years in the U.S., And so everything ends up on you, the child's education, the child's moral teachings, the physical caretaking of the child, the making the money to support us both, (laughs) you know, like it's endless. Exactly. And this is the real tragedy. This is a scandal. (laughs) It is the real scandal. How can we leave mothers alone? They're raising up the next generation. So how can we leave mothers alone? That everything is dumped on top of one person. So tell me a little bit about Matriforum, the organization that you're part of. Yeah, the Matriforum. I was a student at the Academy Haya, and I learned about matriarch societies from Heidegger and Abdul herself. I had the opportunity to meet a lot of great women, And with three of them, we said, our course is finished, but we would keep on going. And so together we created, we started with the Matri Forum, the Matri Forum. Our aim is to create a forum, a place where to talk about matriarchal societies, where to analyze also our societies based on this background of the matriarchal worldview, and also to share this knowledge, to make the knowledge of matriarchal societies more mainstream in a certain way, to really make it also possible that people from completely different backgrounds find a possibility to discuss their ideas of how we can transform our society. 
So the, the aim of the major forum is not so much of doing research, but it is more to communicate what we already know about matriarchal societies and to develop together strategies how we can transform our societies so that finally we get rid of patriarchy and we learn to to organize our society differently. Start with the social. On one side, it is about talking about different ways to organize society, to share the knowledge, to reflect together. It is about knowing other persons or the people who have similar ideas, who have similar values. When I say starting with the social, this does not mean that we, within one week, should buy a house and go and live there together. And it's too fast. We are all patriarchal trained, patriarchal traumatized, and in some way hurt people. But it is important to connect. And then also to not only talk about visions, talk about utopia, but discuss on how it could work with concrete examples that work since millennia. Everybody of us can change some practices in his or her daily life. So it is possible to react differently to what's happening. It is possible to try to raise our children with some different values. Of course, we will not do it everything perfect. And of course, we are embedded within these patriarchal societies. And to some extent, we have to participate simply to survive. That's it. But I think we can gradually heal from, from these uh, traumas uh, we have. And we can learn to start thinking differently and then to act differently. I think it is something which will not happen within one generation. So maybe this is the sad thing. <laughs> but I'm very sure that we can transform our society. So I'm very positive and optimistic on that. But I would say start with the social. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great conversation. Thank you so much. I thank you for inviting me. It was a great opportunity. And I really also Loved it to talk to you about this aspect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Subject to Power. You can find the show online at subjecttopower.com or subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts. I'd love to know your thoughts on these conversations, so please drop a note on the website or find us on social media. The best way to support the show is to rate and review Subject to Power on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. Subject to Power is written, hosted, and produced by me, El Kamihira. Audio engineering is done by Jason Sheasley at Abridged Audio. Cover art by B. Johnson. And music by Beware of Darkness. <laughs>